When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel and podcast and we are here for your second upbeat happy match reaction of the week. After the result against Man United we go into a home clash against Arsenal and it's always a game which is worth talking about as well but there's even more talking points on this one than what we normally have. So I am your host today Chris joined by Joe and Andy. Andy is in preparation of going to Germany as well, mate. So, oh, well, Anna, I've not mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, you are. You are. You're not <laughs> mentioning it, but we'll, we'll hear about that towards the end of this recording. So, it is Newcastle United who welcome Arsenal to St James's Park, and I just want to address something straight away, boys. It feels a bit weird being confident going into these sort of games at the moment, and I think I'm at the point now where I don't know in previous leagues and previous games I've thought. Uh, I, are we allowed to be optimistic yet? I think I'm allowed to be now because rightly so we're going in these games and, and showing the rest of the Premier League and the rest of the world that, that we are here for business. Yeah, well, we've shown that in the last couple of years we can win any team against any team in any kind of way. Uh, we've had scrappy wins, we've had uh, you know, absolute blowouts, beating teams 4-5-0, but we've shown that we can have a really dirty side to our game and that is what I think gives me confidence because you've got some teams who are quite one-dimensional and they'll play their way, they'll play their way, and sometimes it'll work out for them, sometimes it won't. But as we've seen, that we can take any kind of game to any kind of team and come out on top if we're on our day, and that was what happened today. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and, and Andy. Um, like, like, obviously, you would have been there at St. James's Park, and, and you start talking about the game beforehand with those around you, 
and everyone was feeling a little bit confident. I'm not sure if it was the, the lineup which we saw from Arsenal. It was still a strong lineup, but obviously there was a couple of players missing from the centre midfield. Um, but for us, I think we, we know for fine well if, if our three midfielders in the likes of Joe Linton, um, Longstaff, and Bruno Stoughton, we're going to control most games. Yeah, it's it's mad. It's I was saying to my dad before the game, it's nice now to actually be able to have a conversation before these games rather than just saying we're going to get destroyed, we're going to get destroyed, which was obviously the the how it was for so long. And we don't. I feel like we don't even worry about the opposition's lineup. I didn't even realize Erdegaard was injured. We just look at our team and go, that's that's a class team that can beat anyone. And it's not even arrogant to say that now or naive to say that. Like Joe says, the, there's so many games now where. If you try and defend off us, we'll be, we've got ways of breaking down any team. If you try and, um, what's the word, make the game difficult, mm-hmm. um, we're, the, we're the masters at that and we'll beat you at that as well. If you try and beat it's us in midfield, we'll do that. Yeah. Well, I think it might um, be an Arteta that, that said that, wasn't it, Arteta that said that last, last time? It was one yeah. of them that wasn't happy. And it's, it's just amazing now that we've got these teams with these ridic- ridiculous talent like Saka not doing anything in the game midfielders who have won European Championships won World Cups and they don't know what to do when they come to St James's Park and it's amazing mm. I love it yeah so like I said we, we do have lots of talking points okay but we, we're going to obviously cover bits of the game obviously go through the likes of the goal which which was scored but I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of sideways movements in this as well because Obviously, the reaction which we've seen after the game is going to be a big talking point as well. Yes, we will cover a lot of this on Monday night's All the Smile and Face the podcast as well, but to match reaction, so so we need to do it twice. And I, I think I'm going to enjoy doing it twice as well this week. <laughs> um, so, Joe, um, in relation to the start lineup which we put out there, was there any shocks for you? Because I know Popes came on us a little bit of criticism, and Dubravka had a decent game against Man United. Um, obviously, the, the the impact which the Livermento had, Hall had at left back. Then any any doubts for you or just business as usual? Nah, no, no, nah, not a ch- not a chance. Uh, realistically, with the injuries that we've got, we don't really have much that we can change. I think the amount of changes that we had for Man United were a little bit surprising. Obviously, seeing Target come in at like a CDM role for all of eighty seconds, mind you, but <laughs> that was what was a little bit surprising. But it wasn't. Yeah, to, to see an unchanged side from the last Premier League game wasn't. Um. But having said that, I, it was fantastic to see how even you could sit, well, I wouldn't say a B team, but not a fully fit side can still take someone who's fighting at the top end of the table to the sword. Um, as for the fullbacks, yeah, Livermento and Hall did f- phenomenally, but they're very young and I think they're mature enough to understand that they need to be embedded into the squad the same way that most of our players have done. I mean, Bruno obviously is a famous example of that. So back four, not surprised at all. Pope, yeah, okay, his distribution's come under a little bit of uh, criticism, but at the end of the day, he's still on number one. He was still brought in, well, technically not because Dubravka is, but uh, he's on number 22. <laughs> he, he, came, he, he came and he's our, he's our first choice keeper, and that is unequivocal. Um, it's good that Dubravka's getting minutes, though, and it's great that we've got that strength and depth uh, for keepers, because I'm hoping that we'll get even further into the Carabao Cup, we'll you know get far into the FA Cup, and we're going to need to rely on these kind of players for that. But as for uh, as for the the Premier League, we need to keep a solidified back four as much as possible. I do think Hall and Livermento will be embedded into our side eventually. It's a case of when, not if, but we need to be patient with them. So I wasn't surprised at all. 
Yeah, I, I'm the same as you. And despite how well the lads played against Man United during the weekend in the Carabao Cup, you, you, you've got to stick with, with the lads that have done so well at the back. And, and I want to highlight Jamal Lascelles once again. Um, he's oh. going to be a huge talking point. He, honestly, king. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> he is an absolute rocket. Do you know what it is? And, and he's came on a lot of criticism over the years from Newcastle fans, myself included as well, because there has been times where, where he has looked a bit sloppy and, and, and off the pace. But since he's came in and filled that void, which Botman has left there, he has been remarkable, Andy. Oh, I love him. And he's one of these players where when we got the new owners and we started transitioning, that was one of the first names on the chopping block, really. Even though he stuck with us when we were really bad, he gave a mm. lot of players a kick up the backside when we were really, really bad. Um, but just the way he's come on, we all knew he was a, an absolute rock, absolute concrete head, could put a great... Um, sort of two-footer challenge in and, you know, that he'd mm. give everything. But even just on the ball, he looks so much better. I mean, it must be from good coaching, but he, not just passing it side to side, not just laying it off to Shire every time, actually trying mm. to play vertical passes into the midfield straight down the line. He just looks like a different player altogether. And don't get me wrong, Sven Botman is the dogs. He is going to be the best centre-back at the club for hopefully the next 10 years. And when he is fit, you do think Lascelles comes out again. But... Mm. We've gone from thinking, oh God, it's Lascelles coming in to, right, yeah, get in. Lascelles is in. He's absolutely class. Um, and it's it's those players and even Matt Ritchie coming on for 20 minutes at the end. I wasn't panicked at all because I know these lads are coached so well and that they all they all understand the tactics. They all have the same mantra. They all have the same work ethic. You just don't worry when these players come on and they've, they've yeah. done amazing. So credit to Howe and Tyndall and all of them. What I love about Lascelles here, Joe, is that he's now got this signature move, which once used to be Paul Dummett's signature move as well, where he just used to smash somebody in the East stand. Lascelles yeah. is, is, is doing that. Slide tackle through ball. Now. Oh, I, just a slide oh, tackle. I, I, absolutely wipes the player out. Yeah. He wins the ball so well at the same time. And the, the, the crowd like, celebrate that like a goal. Yeah, I thought you were going to say his uh, signature uh, slab he'd header that he does because he still gets him in a few times a game, mind. But uh, as Andy was saying, he's come on so much as a player, he's looking sharp. That the passing that you've already mentioned, we never used to see that under previous management. He was always this really old school defender where, yeah, he would put in a heavy tackle, he'd be his positioning would be good, but his pace would be a little bit off, he wouldn't be good on the ball. And just like so many other players, he's developed so much under Eddie Howe. And, I think we're only really seeing this praise from quite simply because we haven't seen him play too much on a consistent basis, uh, you know, since the takeover. Like we've seen him, you know, occasionally in cup games, maybe one or two game run when uh, when someone will be injured. But this is probably the longest concurrent time we've seen him play. And it's great that he's slotting in and doing his job so well. Like like so many players, like, like Matt Ritchie. Honestly, I, I don't think I've ever seen him like fitter than than he has been. I, I feel like he's faster. He's on the on the pace more. Like for, given that his age and given that he's not played much football, I'm, I'm watching him play. I'm thinking you do not look out of place. And considering I just, I just that need a is, corner kick celebration one more time from him. I think I'm just need, I, I need a boot a corner flag. But <laughs> I think I might be, was it his 200th appearance? Yeah, well? it was his 200th appearance yeah. for the club. Yeah, which is obviously a great achievement. And uh, yeah, just testament to his professionalism that he's come in. He came in during the championship season and he's been such a great servant for us. And the fact he can still do a job now, uh, as the old cliche goes, when when needed is just, it's it's great. It's great. And, you know, these I think players you can see Matt, Matt Ritchie is going to probably be one of these these lads that you can see stood alongside Eddie Howe and Tyndall in the coming years. 
he's going to be one of those where you can see him yeah. develop into that coaching side of things as well. I think Matt Ritchie will probably spend a long time at this football club. After I think he'd be, I think he'd be more of a Jason Tindall than an Eddie Howe, though. To oh, hundred percent. <laughs> Even though he looks just like Eddie Howe. Uh, Imagine the opposition if they look to the right and they've got Jason Tindall and Matt Ritchie going at them as well. <laughs> you just you'd go back to your dugout, wouldn't you? You just hide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but lads, obviously the game went on there, and it was probably around about the the. 30th minute before, obviously, we'll get anything to talk about, really. I think what I want to address first of all, though, is the referee in that first 30 minutes, you could tell that he was losing the game straight away. There's a lot of challenges going in, a lot of soft challenges, really, which the referee was, was awarding to Arsenal from, from the, the get-go. And you could see the fans in St. James' Park were getting frustrated how the, the referee was managing that game. Um, but then the talking point comes. When Newcastle, well, before this, Newcastle were playing lovely football. They really were. And you could see Newcastle were getting into the game more, but obviously the referee was keep breaking it up. Then obviously that break comes where Longstaff's got the ball on the left-hand side. He's looking at moving up the field. And then out of absolutely nowhere, Havertz has just took a sprint at him and flew through the air. Uh, his left leg tucked under his arse and leading with his, his right leg and absolutely clatters. Sean Longstaff and from my position in the ground I, I sit the strawberry corner and even I can see he's, he's flew you can see he's, he's so far off the ground and it's right in front of the linesman as well Yeah, right in front of him and you're thinking he's gone yeah there was no doubt in my mind that he was gone then you see the referee just, just walk, walking around with the yellow card in his hand that you knew straight away he, was, he had made his decision there and then without obviously listening to anything else which is happening around him he's already made that decision the yellow card's in his hand What's your thoughts on, on that, first of all, Andy? So the, the challenge itself, from, from your point of view on the ground, I'm not sure where you sit. You sit in the, the Milburn side. No, Leasers, towards the east side of the Leasers, uh, under right, the away okay. fans. So it looked really naughty from where we were. You could see him flying. Um, and you could see his boot was raised and that it was studs towards Longstaff. And Longstaff's obviously not a softy by any stretch of the imagination. I know we like to play the dark arts sometimes, but it, you could tell he was properly clattered by it. Mm. Everyone was up in arms. And obviously in the ground, it had that feeling of the world's against us, even though I know there's Arsenal fans will think the world was against them in that game. But in that moment, it really did feel like the referee was doing everything in his power to not send a player off. I mean, I was I was obviously in full raging at the game mode where I thought, oh, this is just because they don't want Sky Sports' big game to be ruined on a Sunday and blah, 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 and on Saturday night and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I thought it was one of those where if the referee had given a red, they wouldn't have varred it the other way. And it was almost like the referee knew he had the protection of VAR to, to only give a yellow card. So it, it was naughty. Um, and all the cells were straight in his face and you were trying to do him there. All the players went around it. And then that red card tackle resulted in us getting three yellow cards. So work that one out. <laughs> it did, Joe. So, so obviously, Havertz gets the yellow card. Then, then, then there's a lot of players around. A lot of Newcastle mm-hmm. players, a lot of <clears throat> Arsenal players. But on the back of that, it's Gordon who gets a yellow card. I think Gordon's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So he didn't even do anything. It's one, it's, one of those, it's one of those. He just stood there yeah. and the referee went. You see, you see those videos Gordon. of referees. Yeah, you see those videos of referees just literally pinging out yellow cards yeah. to anyone who's around. It was one of those moments. I'd like to quickly just address the VAR thing. Um, reckless, not dangerous is what it was officially called um, by VAR. And I want to know what the hell the difference between that is because if Havertz's right leg had made any kind of solidified contact, it made contact, but it didn't make that solidified contact, if it did, that's a leg breaker. And mm-hmm. regardless, he's 
jumped. He's jumped up. His studs are showing. He's going straight in. It's late. He's out of control. I have seen those given as red cards for far less. And I don't understand the lack of consistency. Now, if there's any Arsenal fans watching, yes, we're going to talk about the Bruno incident. We're not biased too much. But the point is, <laughs> the lack of consistency that referees are showing in protecting players is farcical. And the fact that VAR is backing it up as well is even more concerning because you think that VAR is there as a protective blanket to... Call you know call up against any obvious mistakes that referees make, and to me, I'm sorry, but just it doesn't matter whether he made full contact or not. He wasn't in control of that tackle. He had no desire to get the ball. It was, it it was you know a really dangerous play, and you've got you've got to take action on that. Now, for the yellow cards, yeah, that was that whole thing's ridiculous. I know that this has come in. This rule has come in whereby. Um, it's really to protect referees from uh, players surrounding them and. Uh, harassing them and really the, the the captain should be the only one who's uh who's speaking to the to the referee in that regard so it's difficult because they are implementing that rule but then it's it's a very natural thing when a tackle like that goes in and when you feel like the decision's not being made your way um, especially when they've just seen the team to, to, nearly to, get the legs snapped as well. Like, well you exactly. Can't your players exactly. Just to stand so, there in silence after that. But then they weren't even. I wouldn't even say they were going, like shouting at them, harassing. They were literally just speaking to him. And well, they, later on, like during they were the more game, giving the Arsenal players chip than the referee as well. Well, it was like, yeah. And, was and later on during the game, into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, like later on during the game, I remember Saka having a go at the linesman because he thought it was their throwing and nothing was given for that. So what? Because Saka was speaking to a different official who wasn't holding the cards. Nothing happens, but. If you speak to the referee in that regard, then you get yellow carded. Where's the consistency? If it's if it's going to be I, I don't think the referee, it should be all officials. Because I, I, I think Longstaff gets booked for doing the same to the fourth official. I'm sure that uh, Longstaff is having an argument with the fourth official. Was he one of the three that got booked for having his Longstaff was one. Yeah, so Longstaff was the yeah. first one that got booked. Then it was then <laughs> he it got was, back up and got booked. I, I think it was Gordon. Then you Fabian shouldn't have shouted back me out when you got well. tackled. <laughs> I so basically like, there's just three three lads showing the discontent of the decision which is being made basically by saying how am it that that's a yeah. a red card all day long. Um, obviously we don't know what was said. We don't know if it was in an aggressive manner or what. Well, that's um, it. Probably was and rightly so. And to be honest with you, because it was an, a shocking decision. I think, and that's from I, the on-field referee yeah. and VR as well. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because, in one respect, I, I I'm all for you know. I think referees do need to be respected on the field and have the the captain speak. They might understand why this rule is in place. I think it's just the fact that seemingly the wrong decision was made and that our players weren't protected, and yet we come off worse in that whole scenario. It to me that that just doesn't feel right. It's yeah. a difficult one because emotions run high in a game, and at the end of the day, they did surround the referee and and whatever was said was said. So. Yeah, it's just ridiculous that it wasn't a red card. No, I, I, I'm in agreement with everything everybody said, and I think Andy, we, we see see this a lot of times. St James's Park, when the referee makes those sort of decisions against Newcastle United, that gets the fan base on side as well with the rest of the lads, and, and the noise coming out of St James's Park after that was deafening, and those sort of moments change games enormously. When when the, the St James's Park fans uh, and there's fifty thousand were there on site, that changes things in our favour. So probably the referee lost it at that point, but it's probably worked in our favour to the same extent as well. 
Yeah, I think if the game plan was to shut the fans up, then Kai Havertz didn't get the memo because that was the worst possible thing he could have done. I mean, I was already frustrated because I was getting wound up at the Arsenal fans because they didn't sing a single Arsenal song before then. It was all just about Newcastle and how bad we were and blah, blah, blah. So that was annoying me already. And then this happened and I just thought, I cannot wait to win this game. It was just it was just one of those where, and I, I'm repeating myself, but I know Arsenal fans will feel like the world was against them and we'll get to that. But in that moment, after that happened and we'd had a couple of decent chances and then Arsenal had you know, one or two nice moves in the final third, it was just like, I cannot wait. I really want to win this game, even though in the grand scheme of things, it's just one league game. Um, and I don't know whether it's this sort of um, this wider point about us taking on the big six and it feels like, even though some of it's sort of mental conspiracy theory stuff, some of it, it does feel like at times that we're having to sort of pry open a diamond to get into this big six with everything working against us. And yeah, the, the atmosphere was really good. I know there's been a bit of criticism recently of atmospheres. It does seem a bit up and down. That Arsenal game was great atmosphere. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we don't need these sort of moments to rile us up to make the atmosphere good every time. Um, but obviously you can't. Um, I think it was um, Bessie that said this in our group chat. We're very reactive to what happens on the pitch as a fan yeah. base. And when you see that, and it, it, because we've got this connection with the players, and we all feel like they're our mates and we want to protect them. Something like that, where someone nearly gets the leg snapped, it, it gets us going um, and, it, mm. and it won us the game, I think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And Joe, obviously, obviously coming up to half-time there, I think Arsenal get a decent chance beforehand, which they, they should have scored from. Um, and just deliver straight down and the, the thought of Nick Pope just catches it. Um, I think it's from Martinelli, I think, that has a shot. Yeah. He skips yeah. past a couple of players, and I think Trippier tries to slide in, and, and Trippier has just no way near the ball. Mm. Um, it's more of a block really than anything. And he's just skipping past a few players and just, like I said, straight down the, the throat of Nick Pope. But other than that, obviously... Before halftime, you could say getting a bit tasty, couldn't you? Obviously, that after that challenge on Longstaff from Havertz, mm. it, it was getting tasty, and, and from a few players as well. Bruno, yeah, being the highlight of it. We'll, we'll talk, uh, about let's Bruno. talk about this. <laughs> but we'll have to talk about Bruno. And like, like Joe to. said, we are not biased. We we like to, to call it as it is. And so when when Bruno first makes a challenge, then then obviously also player goes down and. From my stand, my, my seat, it's still quite a distance away because uh, it was just beyond the halfway line from me. And, and and at that point, I'm thinking he's done something, yeah, because there was no real challenge from what we could see from, from our side. And I'm, I'm thinking he's already like had a couple of digs at a few players and we know what Bruno's like. He's an emotional character. And yeah. the fact that the referee didn't really control the earlier situation with the, the, the Havertz challenge just let Bruno go on a bit of a rampage and he yeah, was able that's... to do it. He had a bit of a free reign, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. So, yeah, was it the Havis challenge that happened almost immediately before it? Because I remember he, he was yeah. riled up. Like, he went in for a heavy slide challenge uh, immediately before it, got up. And as he's running back, he, the, um, sorry, who was it that he hit again? It was, he tries to clatter yeah, right first, doesn't he? Yeah, the Jorginho gets the ball and as he and he releases it, and then Bruno comes up behind him. And I don't know if you've seen the replay, but he does bring up an elbow. It. Yeah, that is naughty, and I don't know how VAR. It's natural running action, man. Nothing it's, wrong with it. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, no, I am li li Listen, Bruno's a very. This is not me making an excuse, by the way. I'm just caving it by saying Bruno's a very emotional character, and a lot of the time, that comes across really well in his game. And it, it riles the fans, it riles players up, and you do need that to an extent. But yeah, that was an absolute stonewall red. That was 100%. I don't know what the 
completely, completely. He goes, he goes into the back room <laughs> with his elbow. He just, he just runs off. I, I, I don't know what he's playing at. He's, he needs to learn to just not cross that line when he's in those moods. He needs to channel it in a way that is not going to get him sent off and just, you know, draw stupid fouls. We've seen like Joe Linton do something very similar, whereby he, he can sometimes just put in these big unnecessary challenges to give away free kicks. And it did happen a few times this game, I, even though Joe Linton was fantastic today, uh, yesterday. But no, that was a Stonewall red from Bruno, and he's very lucky that he didn't get sent off. And he had a couple more challenges as well, a few more times. He pushed, um, was it Jorginho again in the Jorginho back? Again. The back again, yeah. Is, is that the, is some way he sprinted straight into his back and then told him to get up immediately? Ah, that was it. Just like strung <laughs> him over. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's playing at. It was ridiculous. Um, but again, you know what it is, Joe. It's, it's like those... I said, it's because the referee let him get away with it, and because of what had happened earlier, yeah. so Bruno gets away with it. But then VAR also turned around and said it wasn't class as deliberate. So, so VAR's had it basically. I think you know, us and uh, Arsenal fans, we can all agree VAR's had an absolute mare as well as the referees had an absolute mare on both sides. Happy, yeah, 100%. I, 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 I think we're, I think we'll be pretty content with that. The, the officiating was just shocking all around. There was yeah. there was there was a couple of other ones as well, like even just smaller ones where the linesman had said the ball went out for an Arsenal corner and he was stood at the opposite side of the pitch and it was nowhere near out. And there was one where Arsenal should have clearly had a corner and it it clearly came off a Newcastle leg right in front of me and they gave mm. a goal kick. They're just chucking all around. But I, d- I did see something online that Bruno, and I, I'm not basing this on anything other than one tweet I read, that Jorginho is a Brazilian-born who plays for Italy and Bruno might have a little bit of a... Bad taste yeah, about that. <laughs> I think they look down upon a bit in Brazil, so yeah, <laughs> could be a bit of that behind it. Yeah, I think it's that's still a red thing. It, it's it's all red. Of course, it's like, a red. When, when you see one person tweeting, "Oh, was that Frank? That's done that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, let somebody else say that. <laughs> yeah, but but speaking of some of the uh, challenges as well, I think we have to talk about Burn and Saka. They had quite a quite a battle on the hands in the first half. And when Byrne got that back injury, he was being quite reckless towards the end. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he was just going in, making silly challenges. I think he knew he couldn't run, so he was just clattering him every time, wasn't he? He was, he was, yeah. And, you know, Sack was really good at drawing those fouls uh, against the likes of Dan Byrne. And Mm. so the fact he went off at halftime, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll speak about the impact that the substitute had coming on. A half time comes along and, and Dan Byrne goes off, replaced by Livermento. Then, so at half time, I, I stayed uh, obviously, obviously pitch side. I didn't go into the concourse or anything. I stayed in my seat and you could see Livermento was away from the rest of the lads uh, training. And you think, right, he's coming on. You're thinking, oh, what's wrong with Trips? He, he, looked, he looked all right there. Then, obviously, Dan Byrne goes off. And I'm thinking, a lot of people have wanted this moment where. where Trippy, I get shifted a lot across of pe- the left. A back. lot of people. <laughs> well, Darryl. a handful Darryl. of people. Um, <laughs> it's it's been yeah, growing. It, it, do you know what it is? I, to be fair, uh, Daryl, I think there's been more. There's, there's been a yeah. fair few people no, on social has. media saying that because they Lerman was doing really well. Exactly. Uh, with with Lerman doing well, should we start shifting Trippier over a left back? And I've always been on the impression, no, you, you don't move Trippier from his natural position because he's probably one of our best players, if not the best, most games. Why would you move them? Okay. Unless it's forced. And I think that's what's happened in that game against Arsenal. Mm. So yes, Hall could have came on, but he's gonna have a difficult job on his hand against Saka as well. So you put somebody like Trippier against him. Trippier knows Saka really well from international duty as well. And Tripp's done a really good job at left back. 
Yeah, I, I think I've I've seen him play left back for England, and I really didn't rate him. I think he had a bit of a stinker. Um, and I'm I'm the same as you, Chris. I've always said, what's the point of just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? <laughs> Remember the phrase, eh? Uh, but I think it helps as well that Saka is obviously one of these wingers that comes inside. So at least he's been mm. shown on a trip as right. I think if he had someone who was maybe a bit more direct running down the line, that's when he might struggle. But yeah, it's the stuff dreams is made of from people who play FIFA who just want to have Livermento and Trippier there um, playing together. But, you know, it worked. And Tino again came on, looked absolutely class, did a couple of amazing bits of defending, a couple of slide tackles, one where he nipped the ball away. Then it looked like the Arsenal player was just going to let it run out. And Tino just nipped in front of him. Got, mm-hmm. cl- got clipped, won a free kick, but bought us a couple of minutes. Um, he just looks mint, doesn't he? And he's he's, he's almost he's got to be the most unlucky ball. player in the world that he's got the best right back in the world he's in front of him because <laughs> he's class because he's the second best right back in the world. Mm. <laughs> I think, like, like I said, he is yeah. the definition of a pickpocket because he just nicks it mm. and he, he nicks yep. it and he's away like every single he's time. Got the speed, he's got the speed for it as well for all of Trippier. He's massive as well. Fantastic abilities. He's um he's not the fastest and. We're just seeing this absolute acceleration from the right-hand side when he, when Livermento comes on. And it's just another outlet. It's just another tool in the arsenal, for lack of a better phrase. Um, <laughs> Speaking of a tool in an arsenal, I think we'll get an answer out of the end as well. Oh, shall we do that? We're still going to have a few more points. Yeah, i got to have a few more things first, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Uh, but there was, there was another, so not long after that as well, Joe, yeah. Um, yeah. where, where Willie comes on, Wilson goes off. And, and that's probably more a thing. Of, we've only got one striker at the minute. We're going to have to keep him for, for Dortmund. Yeah. Um, but then Willie comes on. Do you know what it is? The more I see some, Willie, some the more player, I love man. him. He's, he's fantastic, great. He's great. isn't he? Yeah. I'm going to do the old Padre cliche. He's like a new signing. He really, <laughs> really is, man. He's... That you know, so when we were looking at the the sort of centre midfield during the summer, we were saying that we really need like a, a direct attack and outlet. And when we bought Tenali, we were like, okay, he's a great player and offers a lot, but he's not he's not that. I think we we quickly forget how you know how fast and direct and pacey and skillful uh, Willick is as a player. He's hey, he might not be you know like a James Madison type, but he's the kind that's going to give you that engine in midfield like a Joe Linton but he's going to offer perhaps a little bit more in the final third and that's what that's just what we saw he's come on against Man United done brilliantly obviously scoring the third by again driving down try, like you know trying to either force defenders to commit or pushing them back um and then again for this for the goal uh yesterday 
his his pace and his and his uh, footwork was able to keep the ball in uh, on the pitch because it was on the pitch and it definitely didn't go off the pitch. We're just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> but he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic, and that interchange as well between Joe Linton and Willock as well. Yeah, we missed that. We've missed that. We've missed that so much because Joe Litton also has a really good role out there on the left. Um, can't be understated. So we've missed that. Now, Gordon going into the centre. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he got his goal for it. Uh, and I think he's offering something. Yeah, okay. He might not be that poacher. He might not be the holder player that Callum Wilson is. But he's still a really good what, third, third option. And like I say, it allows us to bring other players into play. I think what we'll have to look at though, Andy, is the fact that that yes, we've got that that in, in our locker way where Gordon can fill in there if needs be. But the way everybody can switch when that formation gets put into play, and the likes of, like we mentioned there, Joe Willick, Joe Linton, um, even Longstaff, Murphy, Miggy, whoever's on the right hand side. It must be a nightmare for the defence to try and defend against those lads because they've all got some pace and the always just switching and, and, and running into space and it's just leaving gaps all over the shop and that's where we take advantage of these these sort of teams yeah. nightmare for the opposition players but also for the coaching when when you're trying to sort of plan to play Newcastle and you must you must put these graphics up of where everyone plays and then you start the game and then you've got Joe Linton standing right wing and Willett going up top and all these mad things but the front three especially the, the fluidity of that front three is amazing I mean we saw it earlier in the season where we ended up putting Murphy up front and then Gordon was out the right and Mickey went out left. And I think it's just, again, just great coaching. Everyone everyone knows where how all of the other positions are supposed to play. So you, you get the impression, this is maybe going a bit too far, but you get the impression that like Gordon knows what Trippy is supposed to do tactically. So he could go and stand right back and know roughly where he's supposed to be and things like that. Everyone just knows what they're doing. And I agree with Joe. We have missed Joe Linton on the left. I think the fluidity of them two last season was great when Willick would sometimes go on the left wing and then the, the right their right back's thinking, oh, do you know what? This is great. I know how to deal with Willick now. And then suddenly you've got this absolute tank of Joe Linton suddenly running at you. Hmm. And then this season, you've then got Gordon running at you. And then sometimes we put Miggy over that side. Um, and then, you know, when I think the downs, my only downside to us attacking wise is, is just being burned. Um, but the way we play where we will sort of force a team down one side, win the ball back, then immediately ping it across to the right, get the overlap. It just, it must be impossible to defend against. There's so many times where Miggy just holds it, plays a perfect little pass to Trippier on the overlap and he puts it across. Like, how do teams not know we're doing this? Well, they obviously do. But we just do it so well that people don't know yeah. how to deal with it. So, yeah, it's it's just class. It's just class. So it, it's just after the substitutions are made, Joe, where, where we'll grab the goal. Um, obviously, the last sub which comes on, it, it's Miggy off and Murphy on. Um, I, I, I just want to highlight as well, uh, before we touch on the goal, once again at half-time, um, Mark pointing this out, I mean, I had noticed when, when Murphy was running at half-time with the rest of the lads, you could tell he was running in, in full flight. You could see he was protecting that arm, which obviously... We'll touch on what what happened in the game, but obviously, just to jump back to to the goal, how well does Willick do to keep that Willick ball in? Determine <laughs> to keep that ball in. Which I'll he see. kept it in. It was in. <laughs> Everyone can start with this nonsense that it went out. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, the World Cup. Do you remember the Japan the Japan game? Japan, wasn't it? And it was literally like a hair's breadth in. Um, I think I don't think ours was quite as. Um, well, uh, as as tight as that was close, it was close. Ah, it was in. It was miles it in. Was definitely in. It, no, it, it genuinely, it genuinely was in. Now, every single angle I see, 
and I understand you can't get a completely perfect parallel view, so it's it, you can't, it's sometimes difficult, but you can tell the ball's in. You can tell the ball's in. You know, I had people who were sat in strawberry corner as well, front row, and they were like, yeah, it definitely didn't go out. Um, Chris, I don't know if you can attest to that. Um, being well, there it's, as well, it's, but... it was right in front of me, like right in front of us, but it's hard for me to tell at that point because I suppose, yeah, because you were on the right ball, on. so you can't see Yeah, it. and you were right on. Yeah, but I, I, I had people... In I, real time, I, it didn't look out at all, like... Nah, the uh, the people who I was speaking to were literally like on with the line, and they were like, "No, it's it stayed in." Um, but it's very then, similar, to, you know, when you when you see the opposition take a corner, and you, you can see it's right on the line, yeah. and the referee comes yeah, yeah, away, yeah. check and just goes, yeah. oh, no, "It's but, fine." It's but, just very similar. It, that. Listen, we don't need to hang up on this one thing because we got another three possibilities. Exactly. <laughs> because VAR took about ten minutes just to decide whether it was a goal or not. So we had mm. the potential potential of going out. Then we had. Uh, a potential foul, foul, foul. On, uh, Gabriel. Jolly, then we had Gabriel. potential offside, and mm -hmm. then there handball. was the fourth thing. Then there was a handball, which I don't even know where was it. Jolin, be a handball on Jolin. For God's sake, he yeah. came off his leg. The announcer so, was hilarious with all that as well, we... by the way, because he was just like, "There's another VR check going did, on did now." Did you recognise who the announcer was? Because it was a different no, announcer. Do you know who I it was? I recognise the, right, the voice, but. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty confident it was Steve off of the Stephen Karen show on Metro Radio in the morning. <laughs> right, I think it right. was him. I might be wrong, but I well, think it was him. That's someone, it. Like a someone in the comments, please confirm. <laughs> but right, let's talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about the foul on um, Gabriel for for a start. It's because when I looked at that, I saw from my perspective, and I think Gary Neville said the same thing: was that Gabriel was uh, bending down to try and head the ball up. Uh, he was trying yeah. to get the flight path of the ball. And then, obviously, yeah, Jolinton does have his hands on him, but Gabriel's already falling down. So, yeah, he's exaggerating it by Jolinton just having his hands he on him. He flings his legs. That's the he issue. Flings, he, flings he, does, he flings his legs as well, which it happens so fast, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I could see why a foul would be given for that. But then, in my opinion, Gabriel initiated his own yeah. movement and he was already going down. So, therefore, it's not a foul. I'm with you. And I think, Gary, like you said, Gary Neville sums it up perfectly. He says that, yes, he's leaning down to, to knock the ball, get, get some flight on it. Then it doesn't help the way he's reacted once he's felt the pressure from Jolin, like where, where he does just dive and throw his legs as high as he can up behind him. Mm. That doesn't help because that, that's not a natural motion if you get pushed. It doesn't happen. Um, so that hasn't yeah. helped. But maybe if he had have just went to death, maybe it may have been awarded as a as a free kick. You, you, you could probably see a given, but he, he tries to win it, and, and that's where he goes wrong. The offside. Yeah. Can anyone? Yeah. Can anyone clarify this? Because I know that because they were behind the keeper, Gabriel becomes the last defender. But then, so Gordon would have to be behind Joe Linton, wouldn't he, to receive the pass in order to be onside? Yeah, I think that it has to be a line pass. Yeah, I believe. Sorry, it has to be. It has to be a forward pass. Also, to be to be offside, the ball would have to be played forward. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because he's behind the keeper and the defender, so he is technically between the keeper and the last defender, which is an offside position. But then, as we know from our pro clubs, you play it backwards. <laughs> but the sweaty yeah, goal, yeah, the bat, sweaty goal <laughs> the it was a it was a really it's one of them, sweaty goal yeah it's a, i think it's a rare instance of um well it's a, it's a rare rule isn't it where you see it like come into uh into real life and then it's a case of finding out who does and who doesn't know the rules because everyone's flying about going oh he's offside or he wasn't it's like well he, he was deemed onside um 
so yeah, absolutely great goal. And Gordon once again, man, he is he is really stepping up his game this season. Yeah, and he he said after the game that uh, he'd been joking on about playing number nine. Clearly, wasn't expecting to have to do it quite so much this season, mm-hmm. but. I think we knew if he played as a number nine, he'd be really good making those runs we saw against Man United, just making decoy runs, running in behind, running with the ball. But that's a proper goal poacher's yeah. finish. Stood yeah. in the right place, just onside. Well, that's, it. In. that's it. Yeah. And like we say, it's bringing the likes of Joe Linton and Willock into play a lot more as well. Uh, and you're almost playing not just as a with a striker, you're playing with a dedicated front three that's coming inside and interchanging. And it goes back to what we said before about how these players are just so versatile and other teams can't deal with us because they don't know what they're going to come up with. Yeah, I'll, just just to, to wrap it up because there's a couple more talking points. Um, is that I, I think this was addressed on match of the day as well. Newcastle must be the hardest working team, not just in the Premier League, but in world football at the moment because you look at the likes of, and I think Julian's a prime example for this. The engine on that lad from the, the first whistle right until full time, and there was a lot of added time as well. He grafted his arse off for that full game of football right until till the dying moments, and you love to see it. And it's not just him, and that's where we're getting the better of teams that we can do this for the full ninety plus. Then some. It is, but yeah. it's not just running; it's the, it's strength as well. Like it's hard enough yeah. running the the five million miles to do a game, but it's also running with a football is ridiculously tiring as well. And the mental strength to keep doing that and going in one v one in duels, winning the aerial challenges, getting bumped and whacked all the time. I know we're sort of bumping and whacking people in the game as well, but it must be knackering. And then to then have a few days recovery, then go again and still go hundred mm. uh, percent. They're just class. It's it's how's ethos. He's got it into them completely and it's one thing it's covering a lot of ground when you're maybe a bit scattered and you're having to recover yourself into uh into back into position because you're out of line or whatever but we seem so disciplined especially at the back there's not a single player who yeah. who i think is you know regularly out of position or is causing spaces to be in the midfield or it it rarely happens it's not aimless and- running is it no, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not it's, it's like when it's, it's like when Mike Richards was talking about um, Bruno Fernandez for Man U and how when they go and get stuff, around, he just yeah. starts sprinting around. So the fans mm. go, "Look how hard he's working." Just looks no busy. one like that in our team. Mm. It's like yeah. you know for a fact, and it's just, yeah. Yeah, uh, and just once again, it was highlighted on match of the day the, the fact that they're doing numbers as well, and and, and they're just completely chopping, changing mm-hmm. all game long, and there's always somebody there. To, to fill in a void that somebody may have left in, in whatever phase of play has just gone by. Longstaff, mm-hmm. prime example of that. Longstaff is unbelievable at doing that. Um, and it's just, it's credit to Eddie Howe and the coaching staff and to the lads that have bought into this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the likes of Matt Ritchie and Paul Dummett and Jamal Lascelles coming into the team. And they're not looking out of place because they are grafting the same way that all of the other players are. are and their positioning is fantastic. They're running, they're tackling. It's it just feels like everyone is on the same wavelength, regardless of whether you're in the starting eleven or you're you know like almost like in the reserves. You're barely making the bench. When you come into that team, you what you know exactly what you're doing. And mm. this week has just been, yeah, again a really good testament to the coaching staff that they can bring these players in when they when when they need to, and just yeah. they they don't look out of place. It's a great team performance. It really is a fantastic. And, and, and yes, you look at Man United and see the same thing because those eight changes, the lads come in and do such a great job against Man U. You look against that, against Arsenal. And, and 
we've seemed to have have generated this rivalry with Arsenal over the last few seasons. I don't actually know where it's they can't handle from, it. They can't yeah, handle it, man. It's, it's just this, this rivalry. And it's probably Arteta which has probably fueled this, to be honest with you. Um, and, and I think we need to address Arteta and his comments after the game as well, Andy, because we all, you're talking we all about... just laugh for five minutes? <laughs> you're talking <laughs> the, about out of the pram. And hey is just the definition a, of that at the moment. He's decided that, oh, he, that he spent 20 years in the Premier League and now that he hates the league, he's embarrassed by the league. It's not the greatest league in the year in the in the world anymore, just because he's not happy with a decision. Um doesn't address anything which was mentioned about Havertz, doesn't address that. Luke Edwards gives him a little bit of a grilling as well and asks him to to clarify what he means and which one of the three decisions in VR he didn't agree with. Um he gets himself all in knots and it looked like he was on the verge of tears, which was amazing to see. There was a great tweet that I saw this morning where someone took his comments from just a few weeks ago about how yeah. we need to give officials a break. They've made mistakes. It's going to happen in the game. But it was the Liverpool game, patient. I think. That, yeah. And then a decision goes against him and all of a sudden he's embarrassed to be part of the game. Sorry, it doesn't work. He's completely, ways, he's completely deflecting from the fact that they had absolutely nothing. They offered absolutely nothing in that game. Do you know what? Arsenal fans, the XG right? was if that goal, five, if that goal doesn't count, it's nil nil. We probably don't sit back as much. We probably push on and try and get another goal. What did yeah. they do in the game? They had yeah. the Martinelli shot, which, yeah, you say it's a chance, but Martinelli kicked it straight at the keeper. So that's your fault. Mm. And then there was one where Declan Rice had a header, sort of maybe 10, 12 yards out, and he put it wide. Yeah. Right. What else? What else are you complaining about then? The decision didn't decide the game, did it? It's not like this the Liverpool one where it was genuinely a terrible mistake. And as funny as it was seeing Klopp cry that time around, that was that mm. was a proper howler. The decision that was made wasn't a proper howler. It was, you know, minor on the ball going out, completely minor. The offside, you can't even really see where the ball is, um, and the push on the back. It's not really a push on the back. It's it's a subjective decision. So get over it. How's outdone you? You had the better of us last time at St. James's. We had better of you the time before. You know, we're two good teams and you came out on the wrong side of it. And Eddie Howe's mint. So get over yeah. it. Well, well, yeah, well summarise, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Spot, on. Spot on. He's acting like, I remember, I think it was last season when we went to the Emirates and we sort of scraped that nil-nil draw and you thought we got away with one there. I think it was last mm. season. And... Uh, and I think Arteta had similar comments, perhaps, about how there's only one team looking to win the game and all that. But this time yeah. round, this He's time round, we were—it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I said before, like the XG for what it's worth uh, is was like 0.56, so they weren't even due a goal, and that's not on a VAR decision. That's not on two VAR mm. decisions. At the end of the day, they they barely offered anything. Yeah, okay, they had a fair bit of the ball, and they managed to get into our final third. Of, you know, quite a bit, but we dealt with it. So, and, and, and Arteta was, was one of these managers that that was pissing and moaning about how how long the, the the ball was in play during these sort of games. Have you ever seen anybody take so long to tie a shoelace? I think oh, it was Dennis really? Rice. Right, took uh, I, I forgot about this. Right, so unless there's a head injury, why is play being quadruple not? Declan was it Declan Rice? I think it was. Yeah. 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 yeah so why, if it's not a head injury, why are you stopping the game? Um, I think it was Callum Wilson who literally went up to the ref or the linesman and was saying, like, it's not a head injury. Why, why are you stopping mm. the game? 
I mean, that I know, is, I yeah, know footballers are sometimes not seen as the brightest, but they all know how to tie the laces, how it? It's not like <laughs> it took them, honestly, it took them a lifetime. <laughs> a goal um, kicks I, I as well with Raya. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to go off it. Was it, again. it's, it was horrendous. I think what, one of the other things, and, and just to wrap this one up, because we've been going for 45 minutes, and, and this is quite oh, a long God. one. And, and it's I, I it's been a lot of talk about me. It's been a lot of talk about. One of the things I think we'll have to to give a well wishes to, to Jacob Murphy. Like I said at halftime, you could say he wasn't really running there confidently. Then he's sprinting after the ball and it pops. You can see his arm absolutely pops. Um, it it didn't look Christ. good. But then then we see the referee stepping up front for that as well, Joe. So we've got to be fair. The referee stopped the game at that point True. as well because you can see he's, I think a pop he can't even put his arm down. Shoelace, though. Yeah, it is. Well, it is. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm very either. surprised. I'm very surprised he came on in the first place because if anyone knows anyone who's popped a shoulder out, you know how easily it comes yeah. back out again. Especially what two weeks after it happened. Yeah. Um, well, needed surgery. Apparently, yeah. Just yeah. Well, you play. You play in a contact sport, and I, I, like, I don't know who signed it off. Like, obviously, I'm no medical expert, but clearly they got it wrong in this in this instance. He mm. lasted te- like what five minutes, ten minutes, um, and the more that happens, the, the weaker it becomes. So the need, I think that's probably going to be Murphy out for a fair bit. I, I imagine he'll get surgery. The after till the international break, at least, won't it? At least, yeah. At least maybe even, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. But it was sad for him, but he seemed to be in high spirits afterwards. So, no, mm. it's um, it's it's one of great, those. He just great team to... photo in the dressing room with Bruno just pointing down. Of course. Love this, love this. <laughs> yeah. Of course it was. It was class. Absolutely class. <laughs> but, you know, but again, it's just a, as, as maybe as um, premature his appearance was, it was great to see him being determined to want to get back on the pitch as soon as possible. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it's back to the whole ethos of, of you know, what the Eddie Howes installed into this team. So, yeah, uh, best wishes, Jacob. Get better soon. Um, please stop popping it out. Uh, and, you know, hopefully <laughs> we'll see a big grinning face again soon. Scoring goals. But overall, lads, like like I said at the very start, what a week. Absolute fantastic week. And, and, and Andy, hopefully your week will get a hell of a lot better as well. Because like we said at the very start, you're, you're in preparation. To, when do you actually go to Germany? Uh, so recording now on Sunday, I'm going on the ferry tomorrow from Hull. Tomorrow, two, like about two o'clock in the afternoon, overnight ferry. Um, I can't wait. I really hope if, oh, we've obviously had three, re- two really tough games. This is the third. If we can make that three out of three, I'll be a happy bunny. Um, yeah, can't wait for it. Got a preview coming up where we'll talk more about it. But uh, very excited. I haven't changed out my Newcastle top from Arsenal. I'm just going to keep it on on the ferry at the game. <laughs> don't get changed for a week. <laughs> <laughs> if you wait that long, we might be able to put that up front. It'll be running itself. <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody for joining me today, and thanks everybody who has been watching this one or listening. If you are listening to the audio, um, like the video, it means a lot to us. Become a subscriber, it costs you nothing to do that. If you do want to give an extra bit back, it is just starting from two ninety nine a month to become a member. You get early access to these sort of videos. You get extra videos as well, and access to the Telegram group as well, which is is crazy at the moment. There, um, that's it for us. Like Andy said, we will be back with a match preview for the Dortmund game. I'll be back. Uh, on Monday night for the live show on the Always Smiling Faces podcast. Plenty more stuff coming your way. Thanks. What are you doing? See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.